Shooters, welcome back and welcome in to another episode of the Shooters Touch Podcast. We're so glad that you're with us today. We oftentimes get suggestions or recommendations for people to have on the podcast. Today was no different. Brittany Donaldson, former guest of ours, suggested that we bring on Moran Lonning, who is now the women's head coach at Central College. Admittedly, knew very little about Moran. We knew a little bit about her playing days um, from her time at UNI and Luther but was excited to hear her story. And I'll tell you what, she did not disappoint. She comes with realness, energy, and just passion in which that you can just hear and comes out fully in this interview. It was an awesome story. It was great to connect with her. I think it was something that we can all learn from her story. And I know you're going to be motivated at least once or twice through this interview. We hope you enjoy it. As always, shoot or shoot. I got shooters touch. Can't nobody ball like me. I was getting, I was getting a lot of no letters, and I kept some of the letters because it was like motivation for me. I was young in my coaching career. I did know that those guys I was coaching, this was their one opportunity. If you really want the players to like you, just make them better. If I want to keep playing this game, you know, as a job, I, I have to continue to get better at that. You have to figure out a way to carve out some value that you have that you can bring not only to your team but also your profession. It's really good information and I pick up little nuggets all the time. For me it's all about confidence man. You have to have confidence to be a shooter, to be uh, a basketball player in general and to have success. It's all about confidence. If they walk a mile in my shoes then they can bow like I do but my game different not the same with it. I travel now y'all just change pivot. Well, Coach Lonnie, welcome to the Shooter's Touch. Thank you. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, Brian, for having me. Hey, we're excited. We're excited to have you on. We're excited to hear your story. Um, a lot, a lot going on. But uh, first things first, new job, always, always exciting, but always scary. And so um, what's the last, what's the last three, four months been like for you? Coach Nemeth at Simpson always said the phrase, it's like uh, drinking water from a fire hose. When our freshmen would start, he'd be like, they are just drinking water. From That's what I'm feeling right now. It's just trying to drink everything all at once, take everything in. I think that I'm figuring one thing out, but then I'm like, crap, I haven't even learned about this yet. But overall, I've just been trying to recruit my butt off right now. And that's what I can control. So that's what I've been focusing on. So what's uh what does the roster set up like? Is it something where you you had a bunch of kids that left and you're trying to fill in spots, or do you have a few um, returning pieces? I think we have a solid returning group. Two of them are standout players. There's going to be a senior who was is a three year all conference player for the American Rivers Conference. So she's a bucket. She's a really really skilled scorer. Um, and then we also have a uh, 6'3 post player, Allison Van Gorp. She was all conference this past year as a freshman. Um, and she's a dual sport athlete at Central. Her brother also plays on the men's side. Um, and she's from Pella. She's a townie. So I think that is just amazing to have Allison stick around in town. And uh, you don't see 6'3 at the Division three level very much. And She's athletic, got good hands. So I'm excited to, to get her for three years. So those two, and then a couple other, I, they're really young. Last year, uh, they started those two. And then I think all returning starters 
will be back this year, some young guards. Um, and then we did just get a couple transfers too that I'm excited about. I recruited them to Simpson really hard out of high school. And then I said, Hey, now you got to come check out central because I'm here now. So that I'm really excited about who we have coming up. How has that, the recruiting side of it changed moving up a chair, going from the assistant, obviously, you know, a lot of, a lot of road time and out kind of pounding the pavement a lot. Uh, not that you're not now in the head chair, but now you're selling yourself and your program. Um, how's it, how's it been a little bit different here in the first couple months? I think it's been really fun. I think I, I loved the recruiting aspect as an assistant and I got to learn from one of the best coaches in the United States. Coach Brian Nemeth is top 10 in all time wins at the D3 level. Um, and I got to learn from him, but I also got to bring my own energy and my, uh, I'm, I'm a younger female. I think we, we were a great team together, but I also now I'm excited to really move forward with just me and my vision and selling me. And, uh, I didn't get to hire my assistant until recently. So I've been doing the last few months, just selling myself. So I, I'm pretty comfortable with talking. And I think the biggest thing is just connecting with girls and connecting with young women that I hope to influence and impact. And so I'm just really honest with them. And I think I do a good job of making them feel comfortable. Hiring a staff can always, always be a, a difficult thing, especially in your first position, just because you, you know, you haven't been around long enough to have people who've worked under you or, you know, or different situations. And so what was that process like for you? And was it easier or maybe a little more difficult than you anticipated? I was at first uh, supposed to keep the assistant that was there prior. So that was the move. I was like, okay, here we go. We're just going with it. And then she took a job at Loris. And so now I was open to figuring out my own hire, but I, like I've been told by a lot of coaches, that you got to keep a list. You got to keep a short list just because you never know. And I personally know too, at the D3 level, an assistant isn't going to be usually that long-term. Right. Um, and I think coach Nemeth kind of showed me that too, of like, he took on a lot as a head coach or uh, made sure to keep his hand on a lot of things. Cause you just don't know when your assistant is going to leave. And so I've kind of adopted that. I'm a little bit of a micromanager. I need to give some duties. And I think I've done that with uh, Taryn bars, but both my staff are Simpson grads who I coached at Simpson. So I like that. I know they're going to be super loyal to me. I know they know I'm crazy and they still like me. They know they've been through it. They know my psychotic level of energy uh, and they both really want to be here. So I think that is the makeup of um, a great first year for me. It, maybe not so much the X's and O's, but really I just want some loyalty and some like energy and, and grittiness right from the start. And I think they'll give that to me. Well, and you can figure out the rest. I mean, coach, we always say you can't coach effort. And so if the effort and energy is there, um, we'll figure everything else out along the way. And so along figuring that out, what what do you got? First year goals, what a uh, big picture. What are you kind of thinking? What, do you, what are you hoping um, to at least get the ball rolling towards here this first year? 
Yeah, I have been talking a lot about, well, I'll back up. I think a couple different scenarios and events have taught me a superpower is to stay in the moment. COVID, I think, taught me that. And I think I did a great job of helping my players at Simpson realize, like, we can only control the moment. I think with my dad passing away, I also realized, like, you can only control the moment. And it's how quickly can you reset your focus back into the moment, controlling what you can control? Because there's sometimes it feels like things aren't in your control, but we do. We have a lot in our control. So I really want my players this year to really buy into being in the moment. And that sounds so silly, but if we do take care of today, if we take care of just this practice, we take care of just this drill. If we take care of even just this rep of this drill, tomorrow will take care of itself. So I really want them to buy into giving me that high spirited energy, having that positive attitude, having a gritty grinding mentality. Those are all choices. If they can just keep resetting those three things constantly, it'll all take care of itself. So that you probably didn't like that answer because I'm not saying like, I want to be a conference champ, but I want to be that too. (laughs) I I love it. I mean, you got me fired up. You almost got me ready to get in a defensive stance and I don't do that very often. So (laughs) I I love it. That's great, coach. Um, So, I mean, we're at what, three? We still refer to it as the Iowa Conference um, here on Shooter's Touch. But um, we're at three right now. Are we just going to make our way around to every Iowa Conference school by the time this career is done or what? No, but it is funny. I I lay that out for recruits. I verbalize. I'm like, I'm done bopping around. I know it seems like I'm trying to do a whole tour of the conference, but – I think again, um, and I know your listeners, I haven't talked about like the story of my dad yet, but that is another reason why I do feel really strongly to be at Central College. And um, we all know life changes can happen, but this one feels like I wanna, I wanna be here. And I've really liked Central Iowa. Decorah's beautiful, but there's not much around it. So I, I really like, uh, Central Iowa living here, but also recruiting. I'm, I'm close to a lot of uh, hot spots. So I want to stay here. Okay. I like it. <laughs> That's good. That's good. And uh, anytime you can uh, get, get Brian or myself uh, in a defensive stance, that's, that's a, that's a, <laughs> good uh that's good pep talk that's a good reason so um hey and actually uh one thing here coach so um assistant coach taryn bars correct yep so i'm gonna have to talk to our research uh department because actually taryn is from my hometown and my grandma actually babysat her uh when she was young no way no yep didn't uh had had no idea about that until you mentioned i'm like that's kind of a in um you know, a unique name. Yeah. So I wouldn't think a lot of people have that name, but yes, uh, I've known Taryn for a long, long time, uh, knew her family and everything. So uh, that's awesome. You'll have to tell her hello from me. Oh, I will. She's the best. Oh, she's, awesome. she's got great energy. Everyone is attracted to her all the time. She's confident. She's bold. She's loud. She's, a, she was a great athlete at Hampton. Yep. And then also it was uh, super fun to be able to coach her at 
um, Simpson. And then yep. her experience these last four years, she's been a division one director of operations. It's like, oh, that's awesome. That's what I need. I need that organization. <laughs> right. I need, I need her to keep track of my life and also all our players lives. So I do. I think Taryn is just going to be perfect. Awesome. Well, it sounds like you found it. Yeah. I, I yeah. would agree with everything you just said. She is, <laughs> she's, she's for sure. Great. Yeah. Uh, very funny. Very funny. Um, so, uh, out of high school, chose to go up to Cedar Falls. Talk to us a little bit about that. What was, um, what was that decision like? Uh, and you know, maybe even, even mixed in a little bit of the recruiting process for you. Well, they didn't recruit me. <laughs> I, I loved them. I loved watching you and I women's basketball and my senior year was the year they went to the national tournament most recently with uh, Ray Ray and KK and KO and JK and Aaron Broke and all these girls that I just was like, I was starstruck by them. I just, I really, really looked up to them and Ray Ray, Rachel Madrigal was from Decorah. So I, I knew her more personally, but um, my dad really pushed me into going for it and I hate decisions. So even, even though he really pushed me, I still, he let me make that final decision. And I, I was basically going to go to UNI or to Luther and I didn't visit any other schools. I didn't really talk to other coaches that would try to talk to me for looking back. I was just an asshole. I was just like, had no idea that you can just at least look. And so yeah. this all, I think, really helps me now, though, in recruiting mm -hmm. to be able to lay out what happened to me. And and uh, my dad knew that it wouldn't be that it was too intense. It wouldn't be that I wouldn't work hard. It wouldn't be that I couldn't be tough enough. Um, we just didn't know if I had the skill, really. I'm undersized. I'm not that fast. I my dad was a wrestling coach changing my shot. Why was I listening to him? <laughs> but I, I went to a camp or we reached out to them and um, the coaches said, Hey, why don't you come to the camp? And why don't you get signed up for the game time league? Um, the men's side is prime time game time in uh, Coralville, I think. And so after they watched me in that and watched me in camp, they called me one day, coach Nelson called me. I remember it to this day he was like hey yeah uh so we're we're gonna let you on the team and i was like oh, oh my god he's like asking me my shoe size and stuff i'm like oh my god i can't believe this is happening but um something that i really appreciate looking back now is they redshirted me which i don't know really why I know that I worked hard. I know I was positive. I know I had great energy. I had good grades. I wasn't much baggage, but I thought it was really cool that they redshirted me along with most of our class. And so because of that, I got them two years later at Luther instead of just one. Mm -hmm. So I was at UNI for three years. Um, and that redshirt year was kind of the honeymoon stage, you know, it was like super cool and I wasn't going to play anyway. So I could just I worked really hard. I was lifting hard. I um, was shooting outside of practice all the time. And that's when my dad really stepped in and was like, you are the lowest on the totem pole. You have to outwork everybody. And I know I did, but that doesn't always mean playing time. Yep. And I, it was hard. It was, I learned that um, 
even confidence wise, it was really hard for me to understand. Well, if the coaches, I'd tell my dad, if the coaches would have confidence in me, I'd have confidence in myself. And my dad would say, well, it's not how that works, Moran. You have to have confidence in yourself for them to have confidence in you. And all those lessons, I'm so glad I went through it. It was really tough at times, but um, even the times of, I wasn't even playing sometimes on the practice squad. Coach DeJody would get in with his sweatband and play in front of me, but that's what the team needed. It was hard to swallow, but geez, it made me, I think, be able to really connect with my players and realize now everyone's important but it has to be what's ever best for the team in that moment. And I knew though, I was an important part of you and I women's basketball team. I'll tell you a quick story. Um, we had a team Bible study. I started really leaning into Bible study more because no longer was my identity, just sports. Um, and I should do that anyway. We should all do that anyway. But at that moment, I really needed God. I needed something. Uh, so we were talking about the verse about the body has all these parts. They all do different things, but it's one body and it's just like a team. And so I thought it'd be fun, kind of funny to label every team member, a body part. And some of them were, I was always just trying to make people laugh and like some were just funny. Some were pretty truthful, but then I got done with it and everyone's like, well, what's Mo? What's Mo's body part? She didn't give herself one. And they voted me the heart. I didn't barely go. play, you know? And so I think that was a lesson that made me realize that's a choice too. You as a, as a team member, you choose how valuable you are. And instead of pouting and having a pity party, even though it's really easy to do that, you have the choice to be irreplaceable. My JV coach, Essence, um, at Simpson, she was a fifth year. She stayed for her COVID year. She, she didn't play much. We had a really good team. She didn't play much, but you would know if she wasn't there. She made herself so important. She was our, our energy pep before every game would give the team a pep talk. She would do the team locker room chant. She would get people water. No one asked. She made sure she's dabbing the sweat off our starters. Like, she was the ultimate team player. And whenever she did get in the game, the entire stadium erupted the loudest because they know she's made herself that. So I think you and I taught me so much. And then I didn't even talk about the X's and O's to learn from Coach Nelson, like the mastermind of offensive sets. And Coach Warren, it was so fun to have like a strong female leader um so yeah I learned a ton I got to work out with Jackie Kalen um and she took a six year so I got multiple years with her and I just ate everything up that she told me I I wrote down all of the drills that she ever did and that's what my players do now that's like awesome. amazing I think that uh if, if this coaching thing doesn't work out for you, I think you got a, a motivational speaker um, <laughs> yeah, maybe may, may in your future. Cause man, <laughs> I'm just ready over here. I need to chill out. <laughs> I get excited no, this too is, easily. This is great. This is great. All right. So I redshirted as well. Um, and I mean, it sounds like you kind of went through this too, but there are times when, man, 
it sucked. There are long days, mm-hmm. long workouts, many workouts. Um, looking back though, I am so happy that I did it. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you, what would you say to an athlete? Um, you know, maybe not one of your players, but just somebody who may come to you and, you know, Hey, uh, I'm talking about red shirt and my coach talking red shirt. And I don't want to, what, uh, uh, what would you say to that athlete? It's a really humbling experience. That's what I'm first thinking in my head, but to say, um, because we all leave high school when you're going to play in college, you're your best, you're the best player on your team. Mm-hmm. So to go then, and then you're, you physically can't play at all. It puts a lot of things into perspective. Um, I think what sticks with me from my dad is he always would tell me it's good to struggle, Moran. It's so good to struggle. And I know not everyone is, needs to have faith or read the Bible, but it says it all the time in the Bible, how we should, it's so good to struggle. And if you can get through that adversity, you're going to be even stronger on the other side. I love this quote. Um, Tony Bennett said it. You guys might have heard this quote. So uh, the year they lost to the golden retrievers, uh, probably the most embarrassing thing they've all ever been through. They came back the next year um, and Virginia went all the way and won the national title. And he was asked, Tony Bennett was asked like, what what did you think of all this? And he said, if you learn to use it right, adversity could buy you a ticket to a place you couldn't have gone any other way. And that could be that red shirt year. Right. That could be just what you need, just what you need to struggle through. Maybe you need to get stronger. Maybe you need to fail a little bit to be more resilient. But I think adversity, and you know, cause you red shirted, you're always getting knocked down but it, it can make you so much stronger that maybe by your senior year, if you didn't have that red shirt year, maybe you wouldn't achieve what you were meant to achieve. Yep. You're exactly right. And, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned stronger. I mean, I came in college 175 pounds and after my red shirt, I was 205. Like that, oh. that's just, uh, yeah. that's, that, that's what a red shirt year does. Not, not, not just muscle, but you know, just, yeah everything makes you stronger, stronger mentally, stronger in the game and stuff like that too. So, um, well, uh, in high school, uh, what was AAU like, uh, were you on any, I guess, local teams, were there any local teams up there? No, no, no AAU. I played softball. Okay. There you go. I mean, and multi-sport athletes, time, we like those two. Decorah, I'm telling you, Decorah, there's no easy way to get to and from. I had a couple teammates that drove to Iowa City for Barnstormers, I think, at the time. Um, but, yeah, I did softball. And I was so funny. I loved whatever sport I was in. I was like, oh, my God, I love this sport. I, I loved every sport I was in. Even softball, it took up my whole summer. But one of my most favorite coaches ever coached me in softball. She was a young female, and I think she was a big reason why I'm coaching today. Um, same with my cross country coach. She was a, a super strong, confident female. And, um, I did volleyball my first two, two years, uh, did basketball, did track. I was this 3000 state champ in track. And people were like, you should probably do cross country. I'm like, okay. So then I did cross country the next years after softball. And, um, so yeah, I, I was a four sport athlete. And I really like four sport or multi-sport athletes as, as I'm recruiting now too, because I know how much better you can get once you just focus on one sport. 
I mean, coordination, uh, you know, using different muscle groups, using mm-hmm. different muscles within those sports. Um, you know, we talk to athletes on this podcast and coaches all the time that, that say the same thing, as you said, you know, um, these coaches like to see multi-sport athletes. Now mm-hmm. there's something to be said about, about specializing, you know, you get to play that sport a lot more. And, you know, um, I think it was Malcolm, Malcolm, Malcolm Gladwell that said, if you get, uh, 10,000 hours in, uh, you're going to become an expert or you're obviously going to become, uh, I guess, really good. But there's something to be said about that. And, you know, we talked to, like I said, we talked to people all the time about that multi-sport athlete. Um, you did everything then, fall, mm-hmm. winter, spring, and summer, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. What about, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, going to college, playing playing with uh, all, all, all those women that you mentioned, you know, really, really good basketball players. Um there's something to be said about playing with, you know, the girls or the women that you grew up with, um, in town too. Uh, what was growing up with, uh, excuse me, growing up like in your neighborhood, was there just, you know, always games going on? Was there, you know, a group of, a group of ladies that you hung out with to just, uh, uh, hit up the court, you know, go to the field and play or what did it, what did that look like? I think I was one of the only girls that really cared about basketball in the off season that was hard and I think that's what was so exciting about college Mm -hmm. I had a really good group of friends and we were all out for most sports but basketball was not great in Decorah my years we were really good at running as a team and individuals but so that's also why I was so excited like even just playing in the game time league in Iowa City that's when my dad really saw it in me. He said, like, these are the women you you are meant to be around. Like, they have your same passion and they're the same confidence and energy. And so I think that's maybe what um, made college so refreshing and exciting. And even when I did transfer to Luther, you guys know, or maybe I, I need to brag about Division Three, but D3 is super competitive. And these women are are choosing every day to play. Um, and there's not at the division three level, there's rules that coaches can't work you out in the off season. So then it becomes even more so that internal motivation that I think is so beautiful at the division three level and where you can really take big jumps over people. So no, I, I loved my high school years. I was also in band. I wasn't very good. I was in speech and I did group improv. Like I, I did everything. Did I everything. loved high school, but college is um, for the sport of basketball. That's where I really got to just fall in love with it even more. So I think I know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Was it always basketball? It sounds like you were a heck of a runner. Um, was that something that ever, I guess, maybe crossed your mind that maybe I should go to college to run? Yeah. And it's funny, the central coach, the central track coach, recruited me my dad reached out to him and had him recruit me and I did not give him the time of day I remember being on the home phone my dad's like and I'd be rolling my eyes and stuff and I taught my office is like right next to the track coach coach so yeah I probably should have ran I was getting a lot more looks for running more division one looks for running, but that's not where my passion was. I couldn't imagine running all year round. I just love the team aspect of basketball and love that there's all these different skills that you can constantly, you have to be constantly working on everything where running it's like, 
you just run and then you go home. And like when I won the state championship in high school, I wasn't like, yeah, yeah. Like all I wanted to win, I wanted to just go to state in basketball to just like hug my teammates and cheer with them. I love the team, the team aspect. So I think finally, like my senior year is when I was like, basketball is the sport for me. Uh, was it the hills in Decorah that helped with the running or what's the deal that had to be? I think that's a huge reason why Decorah yeah. is so good at cross country. Elevation, yes. elevation, maybe a little different to the rest Jeez. of Iowa. Yeah, your ears are popping going down into the valley. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so was, so was Wartburg hot on the trail for the running? Come, come be a part of the, the dynasty at, uh, at Wartburg for uh, cross country and track. I don't know. You know, at Wartburg, I worked at the Snow Valley camp a couple years ago, and I went to the Nighthawk. Is that the bar there? Oh, yeah. Yep. And they said they put, like, they have all Americans on the wall. Yep. And if your kid goes to Luther, they hang yours upside down. <laughs> Sounds about so right. So the rivalry, you know, Simpson, Central, Luther, Wartburg, I don't think my dad probably made me uh, look at Wartburg much because my dad graduated from Luther as well yep. um he was a national champion wrestler at Luther um but he never put it was never like oh you're gonna go to Luther and follow in my footsteps and then you're gonna go coach at Central and then like it never was that but it is just almost identical my path with him and it makes it really special I was going to say it, uh, it does. It makes it special. It's almost makes it feel like it was meant to be that way. Um, yeah. which is great, which is awesome. Um, it's funny because, so my dad went to Luther and then I ended up going to Warburg. Uh, so, so it was, it took wow. him a little bit to get him in the orange and black, but he did, you know, he <laughs> did. It, it was one of those deals, but, uh, and then my wow. wife's, my wife's from Wakan. So, um, so I know the Northeast, the Northeast Iowa corridor pretty well. So it's, it's fun. What's to What's her last name? Uh, Tierney is her uh, maiden name. Oh, yeah, there's tons of Tierneys. Both yeah. my parents are from Wakan. Okay. Wow, really? And my cousins. Small world. And my grandparents. We're going to have to talk after this. We, we will. We will. We'll have to connect okay. the dots a little bit, uh, a little bit going through. And so while, while we're on that topic, that's where I was going next. I want to know a little bit about these Luther days. Um, so you ultimately decide to go back to Luther. Um, I'm sure coming home was playing in your head the whole time as you drove up from, from Cedar Falls up to Decorah and you just feel like, Hey, here, here's my opportunity. And you mentioned a little bit at the D3 level, uh, it's still not a walk in the park. You still got to come strapped. You still got to come ready to go. I know you had a lot of success. Uh, I believe defensive player of the year in there at one point. And so what was your time like, uh, with, with the Norse and, uh, have an opportunity to play at Luther? I think because I didn't go to Luther right out of high school, I appreciated every single thing way more. And that I think is really special because uh, I think I would have maybe regretted not trying it at UNI or turned my nose at certain things that um, I thought maybe I was better than or, but I think finally getting it, just being able to play again. I remember the first scrimmage. I was like smiling with like tears in my eyes because I, I just hadn't gotten to be Moran in so long. I was always, you know, the practice player that the Southern Illinois point guard that can only go right or the, the shooter. I just forgot the feelings of playing and 
that's what I really try to paint the picture of for recruits is there's a lot of different factors in choosing a college. If you want to play all four years, maybe you will go division three rather than division two or division one. If you really, I just, like you said, I was defensive MVP. I was MVP. We were supposed to get last in the conference and ended up going to the national tournament my first year there. And I'm like, why didn't I come do this all four years? I had to really retrain my mind of what I thought was big time. I thought Missouri Valley was big time. I thought being at a division one was big time, but was it big time? Was it big time not being sweaty on a bus ride home or, or sitting on the bench most games? Maybe, maybe that's big time for some people, but I was craving being that player that hit the game winners that got to be a huge impact player. And I know all teams need all different roles. I get that. I'm going to have to have conversations like that with a lot of my players. It'll be tough, but I've lived through that. I've lived through being the big fish in a small pond. Um, that it was a blast. It was so fun to, um, especially the year I got there, they hadn't done so well that year before, like I said, preseason picked last just to upset everybody to do it with one of my best friends, who's a Decora grad as well. So I got to play with her, played with her sister at UNI and then transferred and played with, um, now forever, my best friend. So just a blast, you know, you went to Warburg. Right. Our conference is so competitive. Um, at the travel so nice, I could go play at Co and still have a fun Saturday night. Oh yeah. Where at you and I, I was traveling Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, day off Monday. It just, I loved, I loved it all, and I'm biased, obviously, but I loved it. No, it and it is. I mean, we we talk about fit on here all the time too. When it comes to mm -hmm. and and it totally depends on what you're what you're what you're trying to accomplish. Like if it's something yeah. that you know, you want to coach at the highest level and just, you know, learning and riding the bench as a player, you know, that that's great too. That's one path. That's one way to do it. You know, another way is to, like you said, get in there and, and be part of the game and play and then kind of figure out from there. And so as long as players are understand the situation in their role, I think you can, you can shine in whatever role that is, you know? And like you said, there's some people who yeah. just like, I just got to play. Like, I just want to play like playing is what matters to me. Um, you know? And so it's like, you just got, if that's the case, it might be a down level and you can go and, and yeah. do those things. And so, but I, I think ultimately at the end of the day, that takes maturity. Um, and we all know what we were like coming out of high school and trying to figure out yeah. where that's at. And I think these players, you know, that's the same thing. And, and I always, <laughs> I always love when I see players who have that level of maturity and understand the mission that they're on from such a young age and it's rare yeah. but it's awesome when you see it and then it's awesome you know for you to be able to make that switch and understand that like hey I took a lot of really good things from my three years at UNI um, but mm -hmm. then compound that with the ability to go to Luther and play and win and dominate and do all those fun things I mean the situation mm -hmm. of being able to do both of that is what's gotten you to the place where you're at now and so sure. you know understanding both sides of that and knowing that uh, there's no one path and it is not it certainly is not linear it's just a matter of figuring it out and so so that's awesome I love I love it here coach um what so when when did coaching though come on the radar when were you like all of a sudden like 
hey, this playing days is going to have to come to an end. I am going to have to start a career. Is coaching my path? Or what were what were you thinking um, throughout school? Is it something that you wanted to work towards? I think my dad always was really, it felt like looking back, he was coaching my teammates through me as a player. <laughs> he would tell me things that would make me believe in myself and in my team so much that I would pour it out to them. And it felt like he was just preparing me this whole time to coach, I guess, or I don't know. I, I have always been comfortable speaking out and being loud. And I really don't care what people think of me. I think that's a huge thing that I didn't realize so many people cared what people thought of them. Like when I did leave you and I, a lot of those teammates, when they were, I wrote me letters or thanking me, they, a lot of them told me, I, I helped them realize it doesn't matter what people think. And maybe that is part of it that I was able to lead and say things uh, in front of my teammates. And also I was super competitive and I, my dad got me to realize if you want to win, you need your teammates. And so I was able to bring them with me and not just take care of myself. And I'm the high score or whatever. And he just kept telling me, make your teammates look good. Make your teammates look good. Then when I was MVP my junior year, the summer going into my senior year, he said, you know, you know, make your team really good. Think of this. Think if you made, Taylor Jenks MVP next year. Think if you made Kylie Romeo the MVP of the conference next year, what would happen? I'd be like, we'd be really good. We'd be so good. If we, if my teammate was the MVP, I'd still probably be all comp. We'd, we'd be so good. I just bought into that so hard that it's like, if I can make all my teammates better, I'm still going to take care of myself. Cause I know that, but he just made me believe every single thing he said. And it was always about the team, which in then in turn would help me. We were outright conference champs. My senior year, I was the most proud I've ever been because conference for any league, any level is a grind to be outright conference champs is a grind. It's whoever shows up that day, anyone can win, but if you can be mentally tough enough to always bring it. So I think it was my dad. I don't even know. I guys, I'm getting way off topic coaching. Um, I graduated and I was like, Oh my God, being an adult sucks. I don't think I want to do this. And I reached out to coach Nemeth, who was the winningest coach in the conference. I remember stepping into that gym playing and seeing his banners. I'm like, I need to come learn from this guy. And so I was just going to volunteer my boyfriend at the time. Now fiance, gotten to Drake pharmacy. So we were going to live in Des Moines and a couple days before practice started, Adam Ernest got a job with Iowa state and then I got hired. And so now I was coaching girls who I'd played against months before. It's always gotta be a little, it was it's always wild. a little tricky. <laughs> the high, yeah. I tell you what, I mean, your the story and the progression in which that you've, you've gone on uh, in your already young career, both playing and coaching is great. Um, you know, and like you said, just the ability to lift that program um, to the heights in which that you were in two short year, two short years is, is super impressive. I mean, and you mentioned, I mean, a, a league in which that um, <clears throat> obviously first and foremost, you got to overcome Warburg. 
Um, oh, so all right. I'm walking off. I'm not talking about Hoiberg anymore. No, I'm kidding. That's, I'm uh, that's always a challenge, especially with Amsbury and what he's been able to do. And then Simpson, I mean, uh, you know, and we'll get to that now here next, but, uh, uh, for, uh, that, that, that blue and white school up in Northeast Iowa to be able to, uh, pile up some wins and win the conference is, is definitely an impressive feat to say the least. Thank you. I guess I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> so uh, so then so let's transition then. I mean you kind of alluded to that, but uh, going going from on the court, um, making making the calls to now sitting sitting on the bench. And I, I, I say this all the time too, it like the level of nerves going into a game when you're coaching versus when you're playing is completely different because when you're playing, you have control. You could, there's things that you can do. And on the coaching side of things, you're kind of just stuck over there. You're sitting and yelling and you have to let, you have to lose control and let everybody else kind of, kind of take over. And so what was that transition like for you going from player to coach and um, from Luther to Simpson? That first year I learned a lot um the very first thing I remember was I was just a conference champ as a player and coming to Simpson who historically has been a very successful program with coach Nemeth but as of that time in 2016 2017 my first year there was the worst season that Simpsons had maybe ever we were like nine and 16 and really young but I couldn't figure out the disconnect that was going on. Like I could tell the girls didn't like to lose, but at the time, no one was really putting in the extra work. And so, and then when I would uh, try to give them kind of what I used to do, I realized not everyone is wired like me. And right then I had to, figure out how to meet each girl where they are, how to individually motivate each of them. Um, and I think the main part of that is earning their trust off the court. And that year I could have, I could have thought to myself and maybe at times I did, I could have been like, well, I was the MVP. Why aren't they asking me how, what I did to get the, I, but instead, I think I did a great job of humbling myself and be like, okay, they don't give a, they don't care who I am. They're here now. They want to win. I need to find a way to help connect those and give them, basically, I ended up giving them a roadmap and I, I feel like I earned their trust. They bought into it and man, so that first year I was at Simpson six years, my last three, especially two years, the women dominated. This past year at Simpson, the ladies led the nation in field goal percentage, three-point percentage, free throw percentage, assist to turnover ratio. And I know Coach Nemeth is a master, but I also know you have to hit shots. You have to make shots. And these girls put in the work. And that's what I was just so proud of is how – each of them were all so different, but I think I did a good job of really infusing them with confidence and motivating them and getting them to believe in themselves and believe in the work that they put in. So that was, that was really fun to go through that rebuild. Um, 
during that time at Simpson. Yeah. I mean, we talk about all the time that with other coaches that one of the hardest things to do is to connect with your team, number one, and every individual player on that team um, and find out what motivates them, uh, what gets them going and really, really hone, hone in on that. Um, and it sounded like you did that, which is, which is awesome. So uh, you walk into Simpson as an assistant coach then, is that right? Yeah. Okay. Um, what was the first moment that, you know, you kind of, kind of got hit in the face with, ah, oh, I'm not a player anymore. I'm a coach now. Uh, how do I do, how do I do this? I, I think it was when I, I realized they're not just going to work. They had to have like a reason to or why or uh, find purpose in it. If it's not a habit, I had to find a way to make it a habit. And it was just innate in me. So I had a freaking gritty wrestling dad who just wrestling's a whole different animal. That was pretty innate in me. It was the hard work aspect. These girls were great girls. They just didn't know how to work harder, what to do when they got in the gym. So I think that was when it really hit me was like, then why aren't we like, why aren't you getting in the gym? I couldn't figure that out. So that's probably uh, rather difficult to navigate, especially if it's, you know, your first, first coaching job um, and that type of thing too. However, like I said, it sounds, sounds like you did a great job um, on, on, on that front. As you said uh, last year, they, they had a pretty decent year from what it sounds. Yeah, they, they did. Were good. They were really good. That team, yeah. those girls, that group of girls was, I mean, yeah, that was a, a good group. Yeah, they were. That's awesome. That's awesome. So um, central job opens up. Um, is this a, uh, like no brainer apply, you know, it sounds like you kind of, you, you know, had a house in Indianola. So thought you're going to be there for a while. Um, and maybe some of, you know, the family ties and stuff like that helped out. Um, what, what was that like when, you know, the job opened up and, um, uh, what, what was that process like for you? I think I should probably back up a little bit about my dad. I keep, I think I'd talk about him this much, even if he didn't just pass away. I really do. I think everything I do is because of him. Um, so uh, the national tournament was going on and I got a call Thursday. Um, yeah, Thursday, our game was Friday and we were hosting. And my brother told me my dad had a brain aneurysm and the doctor said it was probably fatal, but my brother was about to board his flight to head to New Jersey where my family was. And in that moment I had to decide if I was going to stay and coach or fly to New Jersey. And I really felt strongly to stay. And my, my family would have supported me with whatever, but shit, if I was there, my dad woke up, he would have said, what do you get back there? What are you doing here? You guys got to go win a national title. So I stayed and um, I was really, I felt really strong. I felt like I was prepared by my dad and our team was super prepared. And long story short about that, we ended up losing. So then we were done. I fly out to New Jersey to be with my family. And um, I had heard talks of the central job being open. I remember our last game at Simpson was at central and the men's coach was retiring. And I, I've known the women's head coach 
a while now as a player and then as a, a fellow coach, but I figured he'd want to be back on the men's side. So I was like, man, I bet that job is probably going to open up the women. If he got it, I don't know. I just, that's all I really thought. But then I couldn't really think about it much more after that. It was more family and figuring things out for my sisters and just being there. And um, so then I got back and the job was still open. And again, the wrestling world is super small. The AD at Central is also the wrestling coach. And he knew of my dad passing away. And it was D3 National Tournament for Wrestling. And they did a whole uh moment of science for my dad anyway he knew what i was dealing with and so he extended it to allow me to apply because i i think otherwise i would have probably missed it um but i i wanted to be a head coach i've talked to coach nemeth in the past about like do you think i'm ready and um i think i knew i was ready now and for the listeners, uh, my dad's first head coaching job was at Central College as the wrestling coach. And so that was another aspect that it just was like, how is this all happening it, with this timing and felt very, and still does feel really divine and really how it's supposed to be. And so I remember my dad always telling me he lost his brother, his senior year at Luther, his brother was 18 and got hit by a car. Um, and my dad told me that that year he felt a different confidence and a different, uh, just content and peace, but confident. And that was the year my dad was a national champion at Luther. And he just, he said, I knew, I know that my brother's with me and I have this confidence. I have a guardian angel. I have like a superpower. And I was feeling that. And I do feel that now still as like, I wasn't even nervous at central for my interview. I just like, I just knew I, I had it. I, I knew I wanted, I knew whatever was going to happen was going to happen, but I was not nervous. I knew I was ready. I knew I had my dad with me and he still is, but, and then it moved fast. And then it became, I got the job a couple days later, my last day at Simpson, I had um, my office packed up and my, on a, Thursday, I packed up my office and I started on Monday. So what you had another role at Simpson. What else? What else did you do? I was a student athlete advisory committee leader. I was the community outreach coordinator. I was the uh, diversity, equity and inclusion rep for our conference. Welcome, welcome to D3 I also was right the here. very first mascot. Have you seen their new elephant? Oh, yeah. yeah I but... was the very first one to put on the suit. My sweat was in that first. I'm glad it was. Wow. And I, so I'm, I'm glad I did it first, I guess. But yeah, I a couple of roles at Simpson. Wow. And so now at Central, do we get to just focus on basketball? Or what does, uh, what does the title actually look like? I think that's what it sounded like. I think... And like at most colleges, like at Simpson too, we'll do a little event managing, like a volleyball game or baseball game. Might have to throw some people out, but I can do that. So no, <laughs> no, like PE 100 or teaching any classes or anything? Not at the moment, but 
I could see myself liking maybe some racket sports or some or spike ball. I'd love to be a spike ball teacher. That might be my, if you think I'm passionate about basketball, spike, spike ball. ball huh? Yes. Man, I would, that, I would love to see that. I'd love to see you get some of those kids that, <laughs> that don't want to change out and don't want to be a P 100 and you just getting, just firing them up. And getting oh yeah. Yeah. Them. Maybe someday right now I'm, I think becoming a head coach is plenty right now. Yeah. I was going to say you, uh, you got a lot already on your plate and yeah. well, good. No coach. We, uh, we appreciate it. We love the journey, love the story. Um, I know I'm glad that you brought up that story at the end. Cause I was going to say too, I mean, you, you've alluded to your dad throughout the entire pod and it sounds like your dad, uh, was quite the guy and is the real MVP. Um, I know you're 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 one of six, correct? So you got yep. uh, six six siblings. Um, you're the second oldest, and so um, ho- holding things down. But so before we get to rapid fire, there I got to ask. So how does how does the transition go from so from Wakan? Obviously, then Decora he went he went to Luther. Fast yep. forward all the way to New Jersey. I mean, what what? How does this transition? Yeah, connecting all the way out to the east. Yeah. So. Uh... He coached at Central and then went up to UW-Lacrosse and coached there for a while. Uh, Got out of coaching, got his PhD um, in wellness, and then was the wellness director at Luther for about 14 years. And he was my professor for a couple of classes, and he'd rebound for me between classes. Awesome. Just a, a rebounding machine. He started really getting the pass down to where the laces were spinning at first. The wrestler doing that was ugly, but so, um, as you said, my six of us siblings, I have an older brother than me, then boy, girl twins, and then two sisters. One is now 16. One is 10. They're both, um, black. My other two siblings, the twins wanted to pursue, comedy singing and songwriting so when they graduated they graduated high school my going into my senior year at luther and my parents wanted to help those two pursue their dreams but also give my sisters more diversity um so that's why they ended up in new jersey killing two birds with one stone being really close to new york city and my sisters especially the 16 year old has just thrived She's just um, become so confident and uh, it's been totally 100% the right move. And it was very much a life that my dad wanted. He is very strong in faith and he wanted, I think that anonymy, what's the word? Anonymous, Mm -hmm. like to be just doing good deeds for everyone and not getting any recognition. Like, he would, there were kids that had never biked before. He would find all these old bike parts and make bikes for the kids on the neighborhood and would take the kid, all the neighborhood kids to the park. And it's amazing. They they were there for seven years and people were blown away by my dad of how much he changed their neighborhood. And it's been the right thing. And we all because of that, we all, I think, have really educated ourselves on uh, change needs to happen. And in Iowa, there's not as much diversity, but that doesn't mean we all shouldn't be educating ourselves and making sure that uh, any minority group is feeling included. And 
it was it was definitely the right move. Now I think every, the plan was for people to all come back to Iowa then. So that's why my my sister, if you come to a central game, you'll see my 10-year-old sister with me on the bench probably. I'm going to get her as the ball girl. And so I'm excited for our family to uh, make their way back to Iowa. That's an uh, incredible story and just sounds like an absolute incredible family. Um you know, and that starts with your dad and, you know, just a natural leader, um, mm -hmm. a natural coach. And it sounds like all aspects of everything it is that he's done. And so, um, and uh, much, much, if not all of that is rubbed off on you coach. And so yeah. uh, we can, we can definitely see it, feel it and um, hear it in, in your passion for not only coaching, but in leadership and, you know, shaping and, and changing and making an impact. And so uh, we appreciate you coming on and, and sharing your story with us um, and with our listeners as well. We're excited to follow along on the journey, but we're not done yeah. just yet. We still got a, we still got to fire up a little rapid fire here. Okay. Yeah, and this is actually the the hardest part for our guests is rapid fire because we ask you questions that aren't about hoops. Okay. Um, and then actually we slide in a couple of hoops questions too. So have Brian asked us to, and you, you just tell us what comes to uh, the top of your head. Okay, you guys are probably like, God, this is not going to be rapid fire with this girl. We're <laughs> way over our time limit. We actually call it rapid fire, but we don't expect it to be rapid yeah. fire. Okay. It's, it's more more just that you don't know what questions are coming. Okay, that, okay. That's more of what it is. And then it, it starts conversation from there. But um, first one we always lead with, favorite visiting gym or arena uh, you've had an opportunity to either play or coach in or both? Where do, where do you... Um... I hate to give them publicity right now, but Loris. Yeah. I shot so well at Loris every <laughs> game. I'm actually concerned that it's not a home court advantage for them. I think a lot of people shoot well because it's it's like a mini McLeod Center. Yep. It's it's such a nice shooting shooters gym, but it also it it feels kind of like an arena. But yeah, I Loris. I loved shooting there. Yeah. The did you? Did you ever see their old facility, their old gym with the track around the top? It was kind of a little, little hopper gym ish before. Yeah, like hopper. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that uh, that one, that one was a little tough. That was a little different. I think they had a home court advantage back when they played in there because they had like dudes like dangling off the track and when you were trying to shoot. Oh yeah. Stuff, so, but no, that's a that's a good one. Um, all right. Anyone that spent any time in Cedar Falls, we have to ask this question. And so uh, are you going peppers or mulligans? Make the right choice here, coach. <laughs> um, I think I'm going to say peppers. Ooh, you're going out of the choice. Good choice. I feel like some <laughs> women's basketball players worked at peppers. Um, so that's probably why I'm leaning towards that. Getting, Love it. Get, getting that grand slam basket on your on your way in or um or a wing night too can't go wrong there um do you have a game day routine or superstition or something that you have to do on game day um well the last couple of years i loved wearing my shirt that says black lives matter on the back i gotta figure that out now because there's an sc on the front so i can't be doing that anymore so i gotta <laughs> I figure out my attire um I really ever, even as a player, I love peanut butter banana on toast or peanut butter banana on a bagel. I love it. I had to have it before every single game. Huh. Same as a coach. I love it. That, That's a new one. My, uh, my <laughs> wife literally has a English muffin with peanut butter and banana every day. 
Does she drizzle a little honey on it sometimes? She doesn't like, she doesn't do the honey okay. for some reason. Cause okay. I, I would like, if I was doing that, yeah, give me a little honey on there, but she, <laughs> no, not for her, but it, like, it's like every day. Like it's weird. Yeah, it never gets old. It's, it's one of the best combos, maybe besides S'mores combo. Yeah. Though I think those two are the best combinations. It's uh, it is good. I I can go I can go with you on that. Maybe a little maybe a little Northeast Iowa thing, but uh, yeah, good. yeah. <laughs> um, favorite movie? Probably Austin Powers Gold Member. Oh, right. <laughs> okay, that's unexpected. It is like my probably I quote it probably every day. Any of the Austin Powers, but Gold Member I think was the best one. That's, that's great. That I love it. That's awesome. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ask the second best pizza in Iowa because if you're from Decorah I know you have an extreme bias towards Mapes so is there a second well, what do you best? think <laughs> is there you a second? like Mapes? I do I, I I I do I really enjoy Mapes um it is it's very good every time we go back we at least one of the nights we're there we have to get Mapes yep. and sometimes we take one back with us too yep. and so it's I so went to prom with uh Mitchell White two years in a row his dad is the owner of Mapes so okay and well yeah yeah anyway okay second best pizza mm -hmm. oh man my answer is i just am giving people the okay i'll say two of them yeah. i'm gonna say george's pizza in pella yeah because i've recently had that but i also think pete's pizza in indianola is a hole in the wall very very good cash only pizza wow. is, is cash yeah. Is Pete's uptown or where's that? Where's Pete? It's Pizza? on the square. There's not even a sign outside. Oh man. I might have to think. sneak down there. Get in there, that. guys. Get I there. Was, I just had, God, oh, that bugs me because I had, we actually, I had a birthday party down in Indianola at a pizza place. We went up above. Is that Pete's? That's kinda, Brick House. Oh, that's Brick House. That was pretty good though, too. I yeah, it's get, good. I can get behind it, but now I got to go to Pete's. Now go we to got Pete's. Pete's. Oh, go to Pete's. I love it. Um, Okay, so you're putting on a coaching clinic and you get to pick any three coaches to come speak at the clinic. What three coaches are you picking? Well, any three coaches. Any three. Okay, well, I think I'm going Dawn Staley first. Okay. Good one, yeah. She was just a national champion. I love her energy and her she doesn't care what people think of her i, I, say, I, I, I feel some i feel some coach mo vibes from <laughs> don staley that's for sure so i'd choose don staley i would choose i think i'd also choose tara vanderveer she's they won uh the national title the year before but also for her to have the success over that many years the last time she won a national title was 25 years prior i think it's something like so that to, it's it's wild yeah to evolve with the times like that and also both of them are like little and feisty little women so i like that too <laughs> okay last one i think becky hammond oh. i think she's had some really different experiences and now i've love las vegas aces yeah. um where she co coaches currently and i think uh there's a lot of factors maybe with kelsey plum exploding this year one of them maybe could be playing in the three-on-three -three olympics having yeah. to play faster and being a more high volume scorer. but i think becky hammond is doing something behind the scenes with kelsey plum 
Well, and I, I think just from an X's and O's standpoint too, what she's been able to do to advance the opportunities for some of those women too is, is huge for Becky. I mean, what, yeah. what she's able to do. I mean, having watched sparingly, but seeing a lot of clips and sets and stuff that she's got running, you know, specifically online, it's been, it's been impressive. So that'll yeah. be, that'll be a fun journey. Have you noticed a lot of like horns looks with her? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. She, she's been running a lot of that. And I, I just think that it's just, it's different, you know, and they're not, you know, and it, she'll have to evolve too. I mean, once there's more tape on, on it, obviously yeah. like any coach, you have to make some adjustments, but I think yeah. coming with it right now, it's just got, it's got people a little off, off guard. And so it's, it's been good. It's been successful for them. Yeah. So, all right, well, you, you kind of answered this one, but I still want to, cause maybe, maybe it's not pizza, but so we always, we always, we like to talk food. It's, you know, you're going <laughs> for a game. I mean, it's, it's just kind of the thing. And so, so best food in Decorah, Indianola and Pella, do they change? Is there a spot? I know we talked pizza on all three of those. Is there, is there another spot? We got some, got some Mexican somewhere that we can get like what, and we okay. like the hole. We like the hole in the walls too. So, okay. Like, I want, mm. you know, and I want you. I mean, you can't no 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 tea box and and no um you know any of the, the main stuff in decor either. What do you got? Like I want okay. the I want the hole in the wall. Oh, you know I don't think there's many hole in the walls after that. I, <laughs> That's it. With Pella, I'm still learning. But I've heard, and this is, I need to go there. I heard Dutch Fix has the number one burger in Iowa. Mm, I like that. And I'll take that no down. one really knows about it. So I'm going to say Dutch Fix, and now I'm challenging myself. I need to go have that probably this week. <laughs> yeah, go check it out. There's, there's a few, we've had a few Mexican places on the pod too from Pellet, haven't we, Adam? Yeah. Uh, we probably should research based on the names right now. You know. Okay, so there's so there's Pella, and Pella will change when we uh, when we check back in with you. You'll probably have a better list on that one. Yeah. Um, what okay, about you? Know, uh, can I still say Pete's? Sure. Okay, I'll say Pete's. Decorah. Yeah, I'll really say. I'll say Marty's, which is the, which is the, uh, little restaurant on campus that was open late night after late practice and we all would walk up there and have to get the same old thing every time because the calf would be closed yep. so i eat at marty's a lot so i'll say marty's yep see yeah. that's see that's a good we we always had the um um i forget what ours was called but uh chicken bacon the zesty ranch. orange <laughs> hey the chicken <laughs> chicken bacon ranch was what the we always had to order after after the mensa was what the um is where the cafeteria was called but i forget what the little is probably like at wartburg in the w you have that upstairs little cafe yeah so it's, it's called the zesty orange so yeah but so this is pre this is pre the w this is oh, like nice chimney. this is back this is yeah this is the real the real okay, deal okay okay so, but i can't remember i can't remember what it what it was called it's gonna bug me maybe like winter circle or something because that seems to be would make sense for Warburg. Honestly, it's probably an old white dude's name. At Luther, <laughs> it was Marty's. At Simpson, it was Tyler's. And at at Central, it's Fred's. I promise you, Warburg probably has just like Tom's or it something. Prob it probably was. You're probably right. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's good. 
All right, coach. Uh, last one. We'll get you out of here. We appreciate your time, but uh, I know it's new. I know it's fresh, but so far you've, you've had an opportunity now to have your own program. What, what, what in this early stages, what has been the best thing about having your own program and being the head women's coach for the central Dutch? Truly being my most authentic self and truly selling that. I know that is what they're going to get that. And, and I guess I'm talking recruiting. I get to really sell who I am because I think so much of who I am is what is going to make their experience better as a basketball player. Because I, I do think I have those qualities that my dad had of infusing confidence into girls and especially girls need confidence and especially basketball players. I think 90% of playing basketball is confidence. I agree. And that is yeah, great advice. Like That's great advice, not only for coaches, but for players. And uh, you've given us a lot of really great advice. Um, fired us up, made us excited uh, a couple times throughout the podcast, told a really great story. Um, and so thank you again, coach. We're excited to follow your journey. We're excited to see how you grow as a coach and how your program continues to grow and continues to get better down there. And, uh, we'll be, we'll be watching all along the way. And again, thank you. And, uh, best of luck here in this first year. Thank you guys. I keep doing the podcast, keep cranking out, even though it's a lot of extra work. I'm sure in some days you're like, God, who else can people want to listen. We all want to listen. We all want to talk and hear about basketball. So thank you for, for doing this. Well, we appreciate that. And we're, we're, we're a couple years in now, so uh, I don't think we're planning on stopping anytime. It's just okay, kind of good. old hat now. So, so we're good, but yeah, as Brian said, coach, great to meet you. Great to learn more about your story and your background. Um, excited to bring, uh, I guess my little ones um, up to Pella and watch, watch a couple Dutch games this year for sure. So Best of luck and thanks again for your time. Yes, awesome. Thank you guys.